Welcome to Finest Work Songs. My name is Matt. My name is also Matt. Matt, for new listeners, what is it that we do here on Finest Work Songs? What we typically do is we take a classic album and just kind of go through it, dissect it, talk about what's great about it. It could be an album that's undeniably great, like Michael Jackson's Thriller, or it might be something that's a little more critically acclaimed, like Neutral Milk Hotels and the Aeroplane Over the Sea, or it might be something that's maybe once was good or once was classic and might be a bit of a question mark this time around. And we're here to answer those questions for you, listeners. But today we are super excited because, once again, we're not alone. <laughs> don't be nervous. Matt, why don't you introduce our mystery guest? I'm really excited today to have Chris Harrell with us. Hey, Chris, how are you doing? Hello. I'm excited about this episode for a couple of reasons. One, Chris is one of the most esoteric people I know. He knows music really well. He's got great taste in music. But I'm also really excited to, when this episode airs to go back and listen to it because Chris has what I think is a great Southern accent. It's one you want to listen to, whereas I have one I sound like a lost cast member of Mama's Family. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it'll be great to have another voice on this episode this week. Who would you be on Mama's Family? Mama? <laughs> I like to think of you as like the friendly milkman or the mailman the mailman or something like that Chris actually chose our album this week which I'm really excited about Chris why don't you tell everyone what it is that we are reviewing uh, we are reviewing The Reminder by Feist we're not doing tub thumping by Chumbawamba I'm sorry I had to get you here somehow <laughs> oh, maybe next time so as always we begin with our first memory of hearing this album. Matt, why don't you start us off? What's your first memory? This is going to be great. My first memory is going to be in the, over the next hour when we listen to this album. <laughs> That'll be the first time I will actually listen to the whole album. <laughs> you feel you're prepared for this podcast? I was up all night, binge-watching Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this will be good, though. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to, to listen to it. You know, Chris has talked about Feist for years, and yeah, I still have not paid her any attention you're so, a good friend i am i'm a great friend <laughs> you really trust his judgment <laughs> i'm ex i'm looking forward to it so all right chris what's your uh, memory of this album my memory of this album is it's actually like almost like a moment i had been counting dying days to this album and borders was still open in oh, carry <laughs> nice so the day that it came out bought the album and was riding back listening to it and right around uh, Lake Wheeler. Uh, I can't remember if I actually ran a red light or <laughs> just almost ran a red light. And I was still so ecstatic about this album being out that uh, I just kind of laughed. <laughs> happily flipped to the next song and kept going. What date did this album come out? May 1st, 2007. Oh, that was the day of the tragic Western Boulevard uh, manslaughter. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Oh, weird. Yeah, they said that a man was just driving, weaving. With a big smile on his face. Yeah. Yeah, I heard he was just playing with his radio, not paying any attention to where <laughs> yeah, he was going. How many true. people died? I don't uh, know. I, I think it was about 15. <laughs> that, that was the happy memory for me, was that I made it away from that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> clearly. I don't blame you. <laughs> no, that's, that's cool. That, that's that's a good good memory. Not the killing of the people, but... Right. All right, Matt, what about you? Sure, what's your memory? My memory dates back as well to 2007. It's actually not a good memory. It's every parent's nightmare to have your child abducted. And that's what happened. And the people who took 
my offspring had no clue that I would ever be able to find my child, but I have what's referred to as a, a unique or particular set of skills. All I needed was just a crumb of evidence. I could follow this trail and that's what I got. And I set off on this journey and uh, I would have preferred to do it alone, but I did get some help along the way. Uh, Dory, she helped me out, but honestly, it's like, it's like it wasn't help at all. I almost wondered at times if she was on the side of the abductors. We finally made it. You know, I, I went through hell. Sure. But what parent wouldn't right. battle sharks for their child, <laughs> you know? And I did eventually rescue uh, my child and I brought him home. Apparently, what they had done to torture him was to play one, two, three, four over and over again. Uh, he wanted to get this album, and you know the rest of it was pretty good. So it wasn't torture for him. No, it was actually pleasant. They were actually well-meaning abductors. abductors. Was, was, was he was he like disappointed when you broke through? And he's like, Dad, I like I like the song. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. He was sad. <laughs> No, my memory, I had heard Mushaboom from Let It Die. This is back in the days where like, uh, you'd find out about new music through blogs. And blogs were kind of new. Well, they were new in the 2000s, but it seemed a good source for new music. So I knew about Feist, but I didn't know the album was coming out or anything like mm -hmm. that. I think it was one, two, three, four on that commercial that triggered that. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's that lady. And then one, two, three, four, you know, they did a Sesame Street version and... Arguably one of the best Sesame Street versions, I think. Uh, both the song content, the version that they did, and Feist interacting with all of these monsters. When I was looking up stuff about uh, this album, apparently the Sesame Street version has like 20 times more views than the actual song on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I Probably a hundred of those are my daughters and I, because it's that good. Well, let's get into it. As we'll discuss, this is an album that uh, a lot of time, there's a lot of hope behind Feist. There's a lot of anticipation for this album by Chris and others. <laughs> this is how she starts it off. And so Matt, for the first time, this is Feist, the reminder. So sorry. I'm sorry to words I always think after you're gone when I realize I was acting all wrong so selfish to words that could describe So like when when her and Bonnie Vare play at PNC Arena, will they let people bring in their sleeping bags and pillows? <laughs> I mean, from the get go, what 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 I hear there is just like such an amazingly powerful voice and the the ability to hit the hit the power notes when you, she needs to and mm -hmm. 
at the quiet notes when she needs to. I mean, that's a, that's a skill. I think your observation about the power of her voice to do the heavy hitting, but also the, the quiet stuff is one of the things, not only that critics love, but that stand out to me as well. I'm just going to open right up with disagreeing. Get out of here <laughs> right now. Her voice is very powerful. Powerful is also never the word I would use to describe it. I just think it's very pretty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And part of the strength of it to me is that it always sounds to me like it's right on the edge of breaking. Mm. Like she can't quite sustain what she's doing mm. constantly. And I mean, she always can. Mm-hmm. It, it, it never like feels to me like a a Nico case or like a Whitney Houston or the kind of thing where like, or Celine Dion. Maybe power's the wrong word. Maybe it's control. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. It, but it just, it's that like kind like of. Janet Jackson. <laughs> mm-hmm. Miss Jackson for you. <laughs> Thank you. Because you're nasty. <laughs> the breathy thing. Yeah. Like that. And it's, and the way like certain words get pronounced. So one unique thing about her voice on this album, it almost sounds a little bit like it's, it's being played through an AM radio or something mm-hmm. like that. Like just a tinge of that, not mm-hmm. some weird effect, you know, right. but apparently the guy who did the engineering and co-produced this album, they wanted everyone in the room together, which I can feel when I listen to this album, mm-hmm. it sounds like these musicians are making eye contact with one mm-hmm. another, the way that they uh, land on, on the notes and beats and everything. But her vocals, she sang through the guitar amp and then they mic'd, that up on every song except for one two three four that one is direct i would never have guessed that Mm -hmm. but i think it adds to capturing an emotion when she sings songs like so sorry when it doesn't sound like she's separated from you by some huge thick wall of a studio Mm -hmm. and in this pristine environment Listening to the first two songs and the control and power of her voice, it, it, it makes me wonder, why isn't she more well-known than she is? So as someone who doesn't know a lot about her, is that a conscious thing to not go that route? Because to me, it sounds like someone who could have huge radio hits. Well, first, I think saying that she should and could be bigger is acceptable to Chris. Right. That, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He proves <laughs> of that. <laughs> No, I mean, I, again, obviously, I'm not the right person to answer this, Matt. I could probably give a more unbiased thing, but I mean, I think absolutely. I mean, and I think that's like one of the kind of like mythologies around this album is very much that she made it and she was sitting on this spot where she, she could, could go left or right. Right. And she, she chose to go left. 
I don't know. I, again, I think she probably enjoyed the success and the freedom Miss Elida in the past, but it did seem to me like she made a very conscious effort after this. Like, I will not be pegged as this album. I think she's interested enough in music and interested enough in doing these kind of larger projects where I think there was like a personal element to mm-hmm. this and, and a somewhat autobiographical kind of emotional damage mm-hmm. thing that she just didn't want to spend her life like capitalizing on that. And so right. like then she comes out with medals next, more concepty kind of gotcha. stuff. Are you glad she went left versus right? I don't know. That little, yeah. That's usually what happens. Like if my cell phone's around my guitar amp or something. Oh, really? If I've heard that before, but it's like a radio signal. I wonder if that is something that was just happening. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> I wish you heard the producer be like, "Stop! Somebody turn my phone off. Put it on vibrate." <laughs> She's there, there texting. It's going great. <laughs> Who else wants pizza? <laughs> I'm gonna let it keep rolling. They brought Michael Winslow <laughs> in the studio and he's he's doing he's the, doing the sound effects. There's gonna be a wolf. Yeah, a that's right. <laughs> but they didn't let him actually in the studio. He's like right outside the door, but yeah. he's still doing voices. Right.
She said that I couldn't close my eyes and hear the record or imagine what I wanted it to sound like. I just knew how I wanted to make it, and the resultant sound would be no bells or whistles and nothing, just having the song be the point. I knew I wanted us to be in a living space where we didn't have to travel to the studio every morning. They're in this house in, I think, Paris. She's got some folks she's been playing with for years. Uh, one of the co-producers, I got to find the names. Do you know the names of these guys? Maki. Maki. And uh, then, Chili Gonzalez. Yeah, yeah. So it's Maki. like Chili and Maki and Feith. I think her desire to have everybody in a room, she said, not even separated by headphones, mm-hmm. creating that bleed of instruments and that eye contact. You also have to have the right people to do that. Mm-hmm. You don't want to just bring in some studio musicians and expect a lot of chemistry. <laughs> so <laughs> they just had chemistry and they were trying to capture that and even the, the friendships and relationships that they had. You said like a summer camp atmosphere? Yeah. Do you think they did like capture the flag? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> oh yeah, you know they did pranks. It's like <laughs> Chili <laughs> wakes up and he's like peed the bed because like, what's his name? Uh, dingo or whatever like <laughs> put his hand in water can you imagine her pitching that to the executives <laughs> yeah. and you want us to send you to Paris <laughs> to do this <laughs> sure <laughs> I'm gonna need a sleeping bag budget <laughs> it is it's a really childish idea for how to make a right. song like it's yeah. a very innocent approach which mm. is I don't know funny to me because yeah. I think at this point she's been doing it for 15 years or whatever yeah. I think she was 31 when she made this and okay have you seen her in concert before yeah I've got a couple of friends that will like rotate and take turns with uh who gets to pick uh-huh. the musicians and we'll just follow them for a couple of days not oh, anything nice. extensive yeah but like if, if they're playing in it in Atlanta and Charlotte or something like that we'll, we'll try and jump and so I saw her in Greensboro on mm-hmm. the tour she was doing for this album and then i think it was the next night we drove down to atlanta and saw her in the variety playhouse um, awesome one thing that was interesting to me was at the show at memorial auditorium here in raleigh she i don't remember the exact words that she used but she was saying i just don't feel like there's good energy in the room it seems like a very emotional relational mm-hmm. experience that she has with those in the band and even extends to those in the audience we when we saw her in greensboro it was the same kind of setup as memorial like it was a i mean i, I don't know exactly which like a theater experience mm-hmm. when you're seeing her performance so there's like the big open orchestra pit or whatever the staff was pretty openly keeping people organized and she maybe played one or two songs and she was like again do it this way Everybody who wants to dance, just get into aisles or come up here. You don't need to stay in your seats. Come up into the orchestra pit. Like, I want people moving. I want to be able to tell that you're enjoying this show. Right, right. Wow. Which I definitely felt a little odd with that. It feels like a very young thing to do. Yeah. It's two sides of the same coin. Someone that emotionally connected and someone that relational also can write lyrics like we just heard where she says, with sadness so real that it populates the city and leaves you homeless again. I mean, she feels things deep. <laughs> and so you got to kind of take the, the odd concert experience maybe mm-hmm. uh, with these lyrics and say, well, this is the same person. This is who, who she is. And that's how she makes those decisions and operates. There was an interview where I remember the person asked her about the relationship that had inspired whatever angst had, had helped her write a couple of these songs. And at some point they asked her, 
did the relationship end well? She's nice. She's not, but she kind of like laughs. She's like, well, if we'd been capable of ending it well, it probably wouldn't have ended, right? <laughs> like, it always makes me laugh when people ask those questions. Like, are you still friends? No. <laughs> like, this, it was, and I don't know, to me, yeah. that, it was, that was a much more honest. And yeah. That didn't feel like a young answer to me. That felt like somebody who was going like, I'm not going to do this silly little thing. Like this was an actual, this was a real relationship that where this happened and it's not just something I'm going to say like, Oh, and then I made a great album and we're we're pretty good friends. Now we see (laughs) each other. Yeah. Chris, are you glad she went left instead of right? You want her to be who she is. Mm -hmm. I kind of wish there was an alternate universe where I could see her go right and remain who she is. And then maybe it would be more like this or maybe not. Maybe there wasn't a way to, to have those two. Mm -hmm come together the go left or right thing she gets to be who she wants to be i'm Mm -hmm. not entirely like i mean you listen to monarch you listen to let it die you listen to this they all sound much more personal and emotional to some degree i wonder like is that who she is yeah but then is are the last two albums a reaction where it's like that is not who i want to be on front of the stage with everybody like let me just make some music (laughs) instead of being the vulnerable girl that you're listening to Mm -hmm. almost come apart. Yeah, yeah. And if she had been doing that for almost 10 years, (laughs) maybe she's like, I'm ready to move on from from this. Well, it was interesting. Listening to uh, My Moon, My Man, and then The Park, back-to-back like that, when when I was first hearing My Moon, My Man, the beat and the rhythm that that song has, again, in sort of the right environment with the right video, you could see that being like a top 40. Kind Have you of seen hit. the video? I haven't seen the video. It, it's weird to talk about music videos as mattering in mm-hmm. 2007, yeah, right. but that whole video is her on like one of the airport moving mm-hmm. walkways, yeah. just dancing on it. And okay. it fits perfect with the well, like beat of which that. Which is song where I was going with that because in, in another universe, she'd be like strutting down like a busy city street and like heels and a dress with you know, dancers all behind her. You're describing the video. It's just <laughs> that she's in an airport right. instead of a city street. But then, then then to have like, you know, 20 seconds of just noise crickets. and sound yeah. and crickets. Yeah. And then to go in like that other song, that's, it's, a, it's almost a dichotomy of yeah. like going left or right. And that's, that, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. And My Moon, My Man was the first single, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, to go into that, that's, that's one of the beautiful things is because what just happened? Right. You know, I mean, they literally record her or Michael Winslow making the sounds of her walking out. Yeah. <laughs> and then apparently when they recorded in this in this house, this summer camp, all the they would leave the windows open. So those are those are birds and everything that they, that you hmm. hear and, and wow. that that are probably throughout the album, you just can't always hear them. This was recorded for a National Geographic special. (laughs) (laughs) That wood block is very faint in the background. I'm positive Chili probably just picked it up and just started playing it because it's not mic'd. It's just bleeding into everything, you know. I picture like all these other people in this Paris apartment, 
like taking brooms and hitting the, the, the ceiling, like knock it off up there. Or, right. Zutalor. You know, <laughs> but no, I like that. That's, that's good. A fun song. Yeah. Really fun song. I'll come in when I'm ready. <laughs> oh, you want me to do a snare drum 16 times? No, no, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> reminds me a little bit of Mazzy Star, but it also kind of reminds me of those early 60s West Coast recordings. Well, I was also going to say Marianne Faithful. Yeah. It's got that feel to it. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful, though. I love the beginning, that tension that, that's mm-hmm. held out with those strings. Mm-hmm. One thing I love about her music, there are two things that, there are three things that <laughs> I adore. <laughs> the arrangements are not traditional. You know, she's got this mm-hmm. long intro. And then she just sings almost like a little prelude or something where it says clouds part just to give us a little sun. And then she goes into the chorus mm-hmm. and then she goes into the verse. She's not following a traditional or, or typical song structure. And I think when songwriters get away from that, that's when beautiful parts happen because you're not training musicians to say, okay, here's where you do the bridge. Here's the solo. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, the solo might happen over the second chorus. Or we might just kind of pause, let some birds in, <laughs> and then see what happens, you know? That's one thing about her is that that openness to letting the song exist and develop is less controlling than, I'm going to write it all out ahead of time, and we're going we're gonna to do this. That definitely comes across in, in every one of these songs. She was nominated for a Grammy for Best Pop Vocal Performance for this song. But it actually speaks to the music of the time and the direction she would have needed to go in order to sort of stay at that level because she was up against Christina Aguilera, Fergie, (laughs) Nelly Furtado, and Amy Winehouse, who won. The sort of landscape of female pop singers She's definitely an outlier, I would say. Well, you know, what's interesting about that, we, we saw U2 in concert in 2001, mm-hmm. and Nelly Furtado opened up for them. And it was her debut album, and it was when she was very much 
an independent artist. We were joking about one of the last episodes, but there was literally a guy on the stage playing a rain stick. I yeah. mean, it was, it was, it was all, it was very world music. Yeah. You know, she's up there in like a tank top and like camouflage pants. And then you fast forward five years and she's the one strutting down the street in heels with dancers all around her. Mm-hmm. So she went right you went, mm-hmm. instead of going left mm-hmm. or however we were saying it. Yeah. Quite honestly, I mean, she was never heard from again. You know? right. so, so, I mean, here we are. I, mean, I guess we're talking about Nelly Furtado, but we're really talking about Feist and, and her ability to put out something that's uh, of substance. I mean, I think it's a beautiful song. Mm-hmm. I think it's excellent. I think it's one of those that has been played 10 million times. Mm-hmm. And lyrically, it is, I think, an incredible song. Old teenage hopes are lying at your door, left you with nothing, but they want some more. I say that to me is what the album feels like overall, but she didn't write the song. <laughs> no. Fergie write this one. That, that is, uh, some Australian. Sally Summer was another artist, and mm-hmm. she went played under a different name. You find different versions of this mm-hmm. story out there, okay. but according to Sally, she went on the tour bus with Feist, was a fan, mm-hmm. and I guess had enough clout as an artist to go get on her bus, on you know, bus. yeah. It was like, I wrote this song and kind of gave it to her. She said she wrote the song when a friend of hers told her that um, she was leaving her husband, and that was what inspired her to write the song, mm-hmm. and then she said after she recorded it, she thought, this is not something that I would do the mm-hmm. signs like a Feist song wow. and gave it to her and then Feist like over a few months worked it and reworked it and changed some lyrics and then this is what came out yeah for Sally Seltman that worked out well for her <laughs> is that uh, a Rod Rod Temperton Rod Temperton yeah Sally and Rod have condos on the Riviera I don't know whatever <laughs> rich songwriters buy right. another thing that I think is in, like just in keeping with the same way they they made the album I don't know it's just an interesting theme and not even one that I necessarily would be that engaged in maintaining but apparently so when they made this video you remember the mm-hmm. video they apparently rehearsed for two days and then shot it all in one stream shot like all the choreography and And it's intense yeah i mean you look at it and it it does it you look at it and think like oh this is a really good like indie musician video you don't see it and think like oh you know you're not watching the thriller video everything that she does is all about collaboration probably the most fun part of that video was those two days Mm -hmm. rehearsing with everybody and they all probably got their sleeping bags out and slept on the floor together (laughs) (laughs) well and i mean i think in some way that probably ties back to early years like broken social scene that, mm-hmm. that's what they feel like to me it's like yeah. they we're just a group of people and if you got to go today that's fine you can be in the band tomorrow right. when you come back Ryan. Yeah. but we're going to keep making songs it's today. not a problem that's right <laughs> she goes on david letterman and instead of just going and performing like most like every other band <laughs> <laughs> she calls up all these indie musicians and they rehearse and these indie musicians are the choir behind her when i saw it i remember thinking Oh, that's cool. She's got a choir. Is that the dude from the National in the choir? And then, of course, that made me research more and realize, oh, she called up a bunch of her friends and said, hey, do you want to come on Letterman? Man, she loves people. (laughs) I'm pretty sure when she at the concert said, you know, I don't feel like we're on the same page, that she really felt like, like, we're all friends here. What's wrong? Are you mad at me? Yeah, that's right. And, And that also, I think that even extends to Sesame Street, because when I watch that video, I'm pretty sure that she thinks those monsters are real. I'm not sure she knows they're puppets because she's interacting with them and touching them in a way that I think you are really comfortable right now. 
She is funny. This is another story that I like about her. She was being interviewed and kind of lamenting that in the age of social media Mm -hmm. and everyone having a cell phone with a camera, it doesn't allow people to ever just kind of relax. Like we're always aware that we could be on film at any moment. And when she's talking about this with this guy in the interview, she says, you know, there was a time where like when you could go visit a friend in a town, you know, a couple hundred miles away, that moment in time is just that moment in Mm -hmm. time. And you could do whatever you wanted to do and you could make whatever mistakes you want. And none of that sticks with you forever. I mean, unless you get an STD or something. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great line. Awesome. That and that actually um, happened to you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, that actually leads well into the next song, Brandy Alexander. This other songwriter was telling her the story of when John Lennon and Harry Nielsen were out in L.A. This is when John was the Lost Weekend. Yeah, yeah, kind of away from New York, away from Yoko for a really long time with his nanny, nanny. or not Maybe. his nanny, but well, not, yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, I think she kind of was his name. <laughs> yeah, actually. And and they went out, and this was John Lennon's favorite drink. And so that night that they got kicked out of the Troubadour for harassing the Smothers Brothers. That's right. <laughs> and then apparently he told her that story, and the next day she, like, sends a lyric, and then they collaborate. I'm his Sure, I just heard somebody accidentally hit like a cello or guitar. Like you kind of heard like a oh, really? There's a few nut. places in the album where you hear that. Yeah, I think. which is that's I the neighbors it. underneath hitting the broom. <laughs> the broom, the right? Season. I like the idea that they would record in this house but have neighbors underneath. <laughs> <laughs> just with like windows open. Yeah, like, you're Parisians walking around. Right. <laughs> that one again sounds very you know, 1960s, 1970s, mm-hmm. you know, West Coast. Um, light and airy and would not have shocked me if that song had originally been recorded in like 1967. Yeah. All right. So Chris Feist is singling you out in the audience (laughs) because she feels like you guys need to have a DTR unless you take a song off the album. I can't come up with something (laughs) violent that Feist would do. So this is going to be actually interesting. I don't know if you're going to be able to do this, Chris, what is a song that you would, if you had to take off the reminder? I don't know. I mean, I very much, grew up in the time of like mixtapes like but my dad did a lot of like mixing cds and stuff and so to me it, it felt pretty natural to listen to an album and pull out your four or five favorite songs and not feel any kind of guilt about that <laughs> mm-hmm. i struggled with this because there's definitely songs that are my favorite songs off this album but the idea of one going into the next and like the tone that it sets i think I think I would pull off Sea Lion Woman. Okay. Which I know is a weird choice because I feel like it is one of the more up-tempo. You definitely robbed something from the album. I can't, when I was listening back through it a couple of times, I, I can't, I don't know what else you could pull that to me would leave it intact. Right. And I don't know if it would be intact without that. No, that's an interesting choice because I like that song and like when it comes on, but I could see the argument being made for you keep the album intact by removing that one. It it is kind of a, it's a cover of sorts. 
I think for me it would be the water. park hits me so deep that when it comes to the water i'm not ready for more of that right and so i'm just kind of ready okay let's move on when i was like preparing for that question i I assumed until i listened to the album again that i would either pick the park or the water yeah like i thought that's what i would take on and then i was i was like "Ah, i can't do that can't do it We didn't even ask the question, does it hold up? Because that's a stupid question. Because I don't want Chris to smash my studio. (laughs) 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 Oh, but uh, in the meantime, you can follow us on social media. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at FinestWorkSongs. And shoot us an email at FinestWorkSongs at gmail.com. Love to hear your thoughts on this episode and any other albums you'd like us to talk about. Chris, thanks so much for being on today. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, it's been fun. Yeah, great choice with the reminder. And until next time, like Bobby Brown, we hope you keep humping around. Our theme song is by the incredible band Medium Heat. This track is called Radio, and you should check them out at mediumheat.bandcamp.com. And check out any upcoming shows if you are in the Raleigh area. They are on Facebook at Medium Heat Music. <laughs>